Jesus Church College. Join hosts Richard Tamburrow and Molly Inman as they chat with other faculty and guests about church, the Bible, theology, and learning the way of Jesus here in Portland. This week, we take a stroll through the beginning of Genesis to look at what the storyline is for humanity. Well, hi everyone. Welcome to the podcast. I am here with Weston, just the two of us. Yep, me everybody. Lonely and... Yeah, and sad. Sad. <laughs> and no, it's fine. No. Uh, but Weston, you were teaching on Sunday yeah. and uttered the... Well, we'll see how this podcast goes, fortunate or unfortunate words. We should do a podcast about this because you were diving into Genesis a bit. You were talking about like, man, what's our purpose? What's the storyline we're fitting our purpose questions into? And so it's like, yeah, that is an awesome question. And we should do a podcast because my experience, I love teaching out Genesis. Yeah. And partly because I love those like bits of discovery where it's like, man, we always thought the Christian story or the church has always portrayed things a certain way. Mm -hmm. And then you look at the Bible and you're like, oh, hang on a second. Right. It's different. Right. And sometimes it's like super exciting and inspiring to see those kind of moments. So we're going to do a little bit like this is not a detailed study because that would be a podcast. That'd be the whole a whole year of right. podcasts because right. Genesis is so rich. So our aim today is probably a little bit of like, let's throw out some like, things we've spotted, things to think about. We want to get you excited about go to Genesis and then like read it yourself. And the call on Sunday was like, yeah, like unity and shalom Uh and working together and community. There's like some things that are really important that this text should inspire us to be like, yeah, like that's so clear that I should be pursuing those things. Yeah. Yeah. But there's also a whole bunch of things in here that are like, wait, what? Like when you read through Genesis 1, 2, 3, 4, really through a lot of scripture, but specifically in this passage of Genesis, at least for me, it's like that moment, you know, when you're flying in an airplane and the pilot's like, okay, look out your window to your left, you'll see the mountaintop of whatever. And you're like, wait, what? As you just fly right over the top of that. Well, that's kind of going to be what we do right here. It's like, hey, did you notice this? But we're not going to have a ton of time to unpack the specific things, but I'd encourage you to go read Genesis again. It's pretty cool. And I will give a shout out for, so one of the classes we do in the college is a sort of like, what's the story of the Bible class? And it's an intensive and we do it at the end of this spring semester, so like early summer. Oh, cool. So COVID allowing, that might be the sort of thing that people can audit and come along to. So oh, if really? Like, so if you enjoy this podcast, keep an eye out for that because that could be a cool thing coming up. That'd be sweet. So uh, let's set the scene. Okay. So in the beginning, mm-hmm. and this is where I now I just like we could just read Genesis. Yeah. In but, the beginning, but we'll stop. And God we'll, created. We'll comment. I, so. I, I know for me growing up, like God <laughs> created was like, I, I it was kind of like a, a almost a throwaway phrase. Not not really, but but you wanted to get to the fun stuff. Like in the beginning, God created, what did he create? And then you talk about that. I mean, just think about that in Sunday school and growing up as kids, you think about the animals and the birds and their songs that are sung about that and all those sort of things. But the mind-blowing phrase of this whole thing was that God created. Like it wasn't just like there were some things and he made it a little bit bigger. There was nothing and he created something. And the words for like 
what's God stepping into are really telling. So the earth, and it's like planet earth, but I think, you know, the the author here is, he's, this is so poetic, these early chapters. Oh, yeah. This is supposed to be evocative more than it's analytic, oh, right? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So, so the words are sort of like, we can't got to let them wash over us and... Uh, and like good poetry, a theme will emerge and then we'll start to notice the details about those themes and it'll inform us. But it's without form, it's void, and there's darkness. Right. And so, and then it's like, and the Spirit of God was poised over this. Oh, man. So the Spirit of God's like, let me at it, let me at it. Like, I mean, I'm ready to go. I, I love what you said. <laughs> I love what you said, Richard. It's it's an artistically crafted literary presentation. So um, Jenny and I and a couple other people from Westside here, we get to sit in um, to with Gary Brashears and Guy Gray. They do a cohort. Um, and it's been amazing to walk through. But one of the things that they were talking about at Western Seminary, but one of the things they're talking about is how how Genesis is an artistically crafted literary presentation. It's not necessarily a scientific description of exactly what happened. Yeah. But it's like it's like the difference if you found a beautiful portrait of, um, I don't know. Have you ever seen that? You know, you imagine like this beautiful portrait. I forget who does it, but this is but it's this famous portrait made of water lilies. It's gorgeous. But then if you actually look at a real water lily, they're Yes, does one capture the essence and the beauty of it? Uh-huh. But is it exactly the same thing as a real what a real water lily looks like? Well, no. It's an artistically crafted, yeah. beautiful presentation. And so that's what we see in in Genesis is that this is a and there's just these beautiful historic themes. Like even like at the beginning, it was it was what what are the two words? It yeah, was, so the so because these these are themes that are gonna recur. So we've got without form. Right. So then I I want to picture like, okay. So it's like there's Lego bricks, but they're in a chaotic pile. Uh-huh. So like uh-huh. there's, there's, there's like raw potential, but it's disordered. It's chaotic. Yeah. yeah. And it's void, which is like, I, I think we often think of like the uh, infinite expanse of like the blackness of the vacuum of space or something like that. And oh, we hear, yeah. We hear like Space Odyssey 2001 music <laughs> and, you know, like that's the image. But that the voidness kind of speaks of like the purposelessness. Yeah, there's like, there's like, like a, there's there's chaos and it's going nowhere. It's doing nothing and there's darkness, which speaks of like man, nothing's being achieved. There's there's no goodness to this. Right. It it's not dark in terms of evil, but it's dark in terms of like man, where's the where's the good stamp of like something's missing from the way things are supposed to be. And, and then the theme throughout the Bible of God being light, which especially, man, you read Gospel of John, think about light, and then keep coming back and reading Genesis, and that you can get your full nerd on. Yeah, oh, but it, for sure. But it, it's interesting, because I'm sort of imagining the Holy Spirit hovering over this. So to me, like the, the Holy Spirit's like when you're training a puppy, and so you put the food out, be like, not yet, hold it, hold it. Right? <laughs> right. So the Spirit, there's this like, right. eagerness to the Spirit. Right. And then, but there's messiness. There's uh, this eagerness of the spirit to engage some messiness. And there's something bad. There's something wrong with the messiness. Like, yeah. it's not the way things are supposed to be. Right, right. No, I love that. And even just then, when you think about those two words, formless and void, some translations say empty, but I like void better. Because then, so those two words, they're not just like random words thrown in there. I mean, if you skip all the way down to 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 a bigger picture of the creation story, like day one, it's 
this is crazy. So day one was time, day and night, right? Then day two and three were sky, water, land, vegetation. Well, that goes from formless to a habitat. So think about like that's the creation of the habitation right there or, or the habitat right there. So if it's formless and void, well, now there's form to it. There's a habitat. Yeah. Then day four is more time. Time was created with the sun, the moon, and stars. Day five and six, now it goes from void to inhabitants where you have the fish and you have the um, birds of the air, then you have the animals and the humans. So it's almost like he's given a precursor for how he's going to like lay out the seven days. He's like, it was formless and void. And then he created form and he created yeah. um, something inside. You know, so it's this beautiful, like literary presentation. Words are not just thrown in the scripture as he was thinking about it, as, as Moses was writing it down, but it was actually like, like, like spirit inspired, beautifully crafted literary presentation. Yeah. And we're supposed to catch that it's like going somewhere. Right. So there's like a crescendo. So you've got like the sun, moon, the stars, the planets. And it's like, have we arrived? No. Right. And then like, oh, we need like distinction between like different habitats for different kinds and the the beauty that comes with that. Like, have we, have we arrived yet? No. Yeah. And it's like the the climax of this is when God has human beings and and not just creates human beings, but there's like an invitation and a partnership. And this is something like you focused on on Sunday. Uh-huh. But that's the kind of climactic moment. And it's like, okay, so all of the bringing form, bringing fullness, bringing God's activity is to bring about, and and there was a badness to what was missing and the chaos. So God's bringing order to chaos, Mm -hmm. bringing form to that was wish out, like filling where it was empty, bringing light and life and purpose to where there was darkness. And, And so like, what's the answer to those questions? And it's, it's actually something to do with God and humanity. Yeah. together yeah and yeah and, and it's kind of interesting we're supposed to catch that there's something as a human being reading this it kind of elevates us immediately to be like yeah. oh i'm not like inconsequential or accidental to the whole of creation oh absolutely like god created for me right and so one of the things we're learning about god all the way through this uh, especially this chapter one i mean imagine Matt, I should have done this. So I could have like invited you in the room, like, hey, Weston, let's do a podcast. You're like, yeah, cool. I come in and I've like, man, I've got like your favorite chair and like everything about the room is like, man, Richard's made this environment as if it's entirely designed for Weston. <laughs> that would like, great. There's Chick-fil-A on the table. Yes. Like, man, you know. <laughs> and for, for humanity arriving on the scene, that you know, they're looking around. And there's some twists in this because mm-hmm. Adam and Eve, and we'll get to that in a second. You know, God does want to highlight something about Adam buying by himself, not being the, the we haven't arrived yet, right? But man, they're looking around, and God's been like, "Hey, I so I've made all this," and Adam's looking around and be like, "Well, you, man, you designed this. Is, this is like chick flays on the table. The environment's perfect for me, you know." Richard you, knows me really well. You, you've made like, you've yes, made, you've made this environment just for me, and so <laughs> so God's communicating in spades. Like yeah. I care for you. Yeah, I know you. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to protect you. I know what you need, and I'm going to meet your needs. So Father God, like rolling out the red carpet yeah. to Adam as like this yeah. is who I am to you. Look, everything I've made around you. Yeah, 
communicates this to you. Right. Like that's massive yeah. to like set that scene, right? Oh, I love that. Love that. So he walks through this beautiful like like creation, taking, bringing form, um, creating an, a habitation, um, putting habitat in there. Um, just all that sort of thing. He, he, and he just walks through this in such a beautiful way. And one of the things that you read, and, and I would encourage you if possible, and don't get, don't get like freaked out, but like if, if there's a way for you to look at kind of some of the Hebrew parallels here too, um, because there's so much pattern that you see in the, in the story here in Genesis 1. And one of the things that we know is that pattern in Scripture points to meaning. And some of the patterns that come out that are just so clearly, again, we lose it in, when it gets translated into English, but in the whole creation story, um, we, like in, in like, uh, um, even if I was to look to see, um, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good and separated the darkness from the light. God called the light day. And then God said, let there be the vault between the waters. You know, just as it walks through each day, what actually in the Hebrew, it's so much better written because it's each of those days are written in seven words. And those seven words then um, are their seven days. And the whole story is written into seven paragraphs, etc. So there's all yeah. this pattern that you see over and over and over. And pattern points to meaning. I mean, and for example, like God saw, is a huge pattern throughout Genesis. God saw that it was good. He saw this. He saw this. And so you see one of the things that the author is trying to get out is we serve a God that sees. God saw. God saw. I just I, So I love looking at the patterns, and I just feel like yeah. that's something we miss in it English. It is, because in Hebrew poetry, the patterns are signals to the reader of like which things to notice. Oh, yeah. And sometimes we don't know what to notice, but... Buy a good commentary if you don't know Hebrew. Right. NetBible. Like I don't know if this is, I don't know if this is a resource that you guys know about, but I use it all the time now. It's netbible.org. It's a fantastic resource. It's free. Just go right there and it's it's a really fun resource to read when studying and or yeah. looking at the scripture. So let's home in on something yeah. you talked a bit about on Sunday. So okay. it, it kind of gets to a uh, a commissioning moment in verse 26. So God says let us make human in our image after our likeness. And so, I mean, we've nerded about this on the podcast before, so uh -huh. let's spend less time on this. But okay. like what it means to be an image bearer as oh, like man. an invitation to not just be similar to, but to actually be invested with the authority to go represent as an agent of someone else, right. you know? So oh, yeah. there's like power, authority, partnership bound up with this idea of image and likeness. Right. So there is like a focus as well on like similarity. Like I want someone similar to me to partner with me, to represent me, to do my agenda. Yeah. So, oh, so all this comes together and then we're like, okay, so, and then what, like, what's the image bearer supposed to do? Like why, go image God into creation. Was it just like, and it's say, like, okay, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, birds of the air, and of the heavens, of the livestock, the earth, of every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So have dominion. Um, so God created man in his own image, as sort of interlude, and God blessed them. And then he said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and the reiteration, have dominion. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, okay, yeah. there's some there's some key things. But in terms of patterns and themes, like be fruitful, multiply, fill. Yeah. Unvoid. Yes. Unvoid That's the unvoid. void. 
oh, creation. So it's like, oh, so God's inviting them to do the thing he's just done. Yes. So immediately there's this sense of like, oh, it's not over yet. Right. God set this trajectory, right. things in motion, right. like voids getting unvoided, emptiness right. is getting filled, darkness is getting lit up. Yeah. You know, like all this stuff's happening and the spirit of God's been doing it. And then it's like, okay, now we've got habitat for humanity. All right, humans, <laughs> come join us. Yeah, like, you get to do what we're words, doing. The words come join yes. us out there, but it's so the tone. But it also has this interesting, like, have dominion as well, subdue. Like, mm-hmm. the word subdue there is... Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it's a word that can be used in different ways, but it's got such strong connotations in Hebrew of like warfare language. Yeah. Yeah, So it's like, okay, so you're inviting me to like bring form, like subdue, like wrestle the pile Lego into order. (laughs) But the fact that it's this subdue language is like, yeah, and the pile of Lego in its disordered, chaotic darkness, it's going to fight back a little. Yeah. Like this yeah. is going to take yeah. effort and intention yeah. and strategy. And so it's kind of interesting because this is not an invitation. I mean, well, they, I mean, you talked about this Sunday, right? <laughs> so I'm going to say it's not an invitation to like do it the easy way. Right. But you went even further than this because sometimes we think about Garden of Eden and we're like, imagine a far side cartoon. Right. And like Adam and Eve are like sipping margaritas by the pool and yeah. it's like, that's what the Garden of Eden's purpose was. Because in our culture, American culture, the highest purpose of man is to be comfortable. So we, it's so yes. easy for us to imagine our perfect environment being like, yeah, you can binge watch Netflix, you know, in the most comfortable environment and chick fly on tap. And yeah. Like what, no, whatever no, exactly. that looks like. This but that's word, not the picture. Yeah, no. They're invited word, into something hard. Oh, like hard, like like a fighting back. And this word um, subdue, the Hebrew word is kibosh. And I talked about this a lot on Sunday. But the idea is that it's 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 an intense, almost post-fall word, if you will. But it was used pre-fall. Um, yeah, we're not expecting it here. You're right. Like it we're expecting the picture of like, isn't it idyllic? Right. Like, like, no. Well, I th- and I think we get that a lot because if you look, like if you go all the way up to Genesis 3, um, in verse eight says, then this is after the fall and after Adam and Eve like freaked out a little bit. It says, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And it's like, oh, that must have been what it was like. Just chilling in the garden, just yeah. walking around, doing nothing, like relaxing. Just contemplate your navel and eat fruit. <laughs> right. That's it. But, but nowhere... No, I mean, it says that his creation was very, very good. It's very good. But nowhere does it say that it was um, idyllic or, or, or like peace, peace-filled, tension-filled. And this is going to be a hard word, so don't, don't get thrown on this. But nowhere does it say that the creation was perfect. Yeah. It still needed to be work done. It was good. It yeah. was created good. Just like Adam and Eve were created. Think about this. They were so they were created with age in them, right? So they were I don't know, we don't know how old they were, but they weren't babies. They weren't toddlers. They were they were adults. And yet they still had to learn wisdom. They still had to learn what it was to obey and what it was yeah. to to follow the instruction of the of God. They had to learn these things. They didn't come like perfectly completed. Yeah. And so you kind of think about that on the whole structure of creation and the fact that there was a there was the enemy that was in the garden that was constantly looking to deceive, right? So you had this like you have this world that as Gary Brashear says, he's like Adam and Eve were created and placed in a war zone. Now that's super intense word, but the idea is that 
is that this word for subdue, kibosh, it's a pretty intense, harsh word as well. So they were created with this idea, it's time to tame the wild, is what we kept going back to. It's time to push back. Because that word kibosh is used even when, it's used mainly when the opposing side is already hostile. So yeah. there's already a bit of yeah, like... it's conflict language. Conflict language, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it, so it's almost like we carry around this storyline of like God introduced... Adam and Eve into the finished product and they messed it up. Right. But actually Adam and Eve introduced into a halfway's done creation or something. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, something along those lines where creation is good. It was beautiful. Yeah. But it's still, it's like now, because that's why God invited humans to then continue his work by saying, be fruitful and fill the earth. Like there's work for you to do. Yeah. Um, and, and it's like, uh, I think some translations have language of like rule. Mm, yeah. Rather than uh, and have dominion and subdue a slightly a twist on this because when we think of rule, we tend to think be in charge of. Right. So it's going to do its own thing. Right. But you're in charge of it. Right. Like, but actually, the idea of subdue is like, and have dominion is like wrestle it, and actually redirect it in the way it's supposed to go. Yeah. And so. It's it's a really active. It's not sort of a like sit back and tell it what to do, but like get your hands dirty. And so there's an invitation to sort of this in the same way God exerts power mm-hmm. in the creative enterprise of like actually changing the universe so that it actually yeah. represents what he wants it to be. Adam yeah. and Eve were invited, like, I've given you power because yeah. you're image bearers. I've given yeah. you authority. Yeah. Now use that power to actually yeah. go change creation. Yeah. It's like a so part- active. Yeah, it's like a partnering with him to take the world somewhere. Yeah. Um, it's it's like this this like, okay, now I've created you to come alongside me to continue this work that I've started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's beautiful. It's beautiful language because and we often think that Adam and Eve were doing just great until sin and death entered the world, and then that just wrecked everything. But as you mentioned earlier, even before I was talking to Richard, I always I always try to talk to Richard before I teach on a Sunday, just because I get a whole new perspective. But one of the things that you said, Richard, was like, Adam and Eve were never intended to stay in the garden. Right. Or like, humans were created to go out from the garden. Yeah. And I don't think that's something that many people actually think yeah, through. Yeah, like we got to paint that picture, because that's yeah. huge. Yeah. Yeah, we can imagine, like, the garden was everything, but actually the garden's like an enclave. Yeah. In Eden, which yeah. was a bigger circle, yeah. in the rest of the world, yeah. all of creation. And the rest of the world, it's interesting because the ongoing, it's clear the project of unvoiding, bringing form, bringing light is ongoing. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, so Eden's like home base where God's like, okay, I've done more of the work here to, to show you what it's like. And you're going to care for this. So it needs maintaining. You've got to be involved in it. But my plan is not just to have a Garden of Eden. Right. My plan is that the garden is the blueprint. Yeah. And now your job, humanity, is to join me because I want to go garden the rest. And so Adam and Eve are invited to look out. And this is really interesting because we know Adam and Eve are going to fall. And God's going to let them know, like, hey... It's like you're, I mean, we're, we'll see this if we get a chance to get <laughs> far right. enough into Genesis, but like you're still commissioned to do the same thing. So because people yeah. often, they, they talk about the end of Genesis after the fall as like, oh yeah, God curses the serpent, curses Eve, curses Adam. Actually, Adam yeah. and Eve never cursed. Right. What they're told is their commission is reiterated 
with God twisting it and saying, but now it's going to be hard. And so just the difference of like Adam and Eve, when they are like in the beginning of this story, look out, I don't know, over the hedge or like whatever <laughs> the edge of Eden is, right? <laughs> right. And are like inspired and hopeful mm-hmm. and... And now, because of the fall and brokenness and that they're wrecked inside, they're wrecked in their relationship with mm-hmm. God, going out of the garden now is, is threatening. Right. And it's right. actually something they don't want to do. Right. Which is why it's so interesting because you're right. like on Sunday being like, man, we should be inspired. But actually, in our natural broken humanity, like this whole vision of like, go do this. Yeah, it, it feels threatening. It induces fear. And like, that's a thing. Like, it's, that's a real it, thing. We see that in Genesis too. Yeah, and it still is today. Yeah. I mean, the very fact of when was the last time you talked to your neighbor who doesn't know Jesus about Jesus? Like when like those sort of things are like really convicting and it produces like this awkward fear, weird, cold sweat on your head yeah. when you think about broaching that subject. I think part of that is spiritual warfare. Honestly, I think it's the last thing the enemy wants us to do is have oh, yeah. that conversation. Oh yeah, he's still trying to treat us like oh, well, yeah. I mean it's it's, it's, it's Adam and Eve. All it's over a again. story of Genesis, yeah. right? I think that was an interesting part you mentioned a little bit earlier, and I know I'm just probably jumping around here, but like we said, we're just pointing out mountaintops. We're we're, we're rambling backwards and forwards, meandering through Genesis. I think a lot of people, after after the fall, and man, we could spend forever talking about, like, wait, why was the serpent there? And and what in the world, like, did God create that? Like, why would it? Anyway, those are fun things to talk about, but again... I think the the point about Genesis one is not necessarily why and or not necessarily um, how or when God created, but I think it's the fact that He did create is kind of what you need to get to to see the patterns. But then after the fall, we've got this where where I think people would recognize, yeah, Adam and Eve were both cursed and punished, and the serpent and all that. They all got their consequences. Yeah. And but really, when you look at the scripture here, you see in chapter three, verse fourteen, it says, "So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this." Cursed are you above all livestock. So they're, they're the serpent is cursed for sure. And then jumping down to verse 17, to Adam he said, uh, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Or I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Then he said, cursed is the ground because of you. Yeah. So he doesn't say cursed are you, Adam and Eve. He yeah. says cursed is the serpent, cursed is the ground. So, so what that means for humanity is that one, we're going to get tempted and the ground's going to not just produce for us very easily. Yeah. And ground can actually be the little, literal, literal ground yeah. or it can just be our culture. Yeah. Cause there's a literal, but then it's so much bigger than this. Yeah. Like, I mean, in verse 16 to Eve, like I will multiply your pain in childbearing and it's yeah. like this play on words there. Yeah. So like you're supposed to be fruitful and multiply. Yeah, gosh. But, but the fruitfulness of childbearing will actually, the multiplication will be that it will bring pain. Mm. So it's like God's letting them know, like the mission still the mission. The purpose of creation is still the purpose of creation. Like you're broken image barriers, but you're still my image barriers. But man, there's going to be a lot of tragedy. And, and, and that's where then like the cross comes in as this pivotal like having read through the Bible and see thousands of years of like God interacting with brokenness to like overcome the tragedy, to heal, to redeem the tragedy. But the cross is the ultimate victory over tragedy. Yeah. 
and then things yeah. look different. So yeah. like this be fruitful and multiply language. Yeah. It's like we we tend to think, and you know, rightfully so, like babies. <laughs> but it's so much more than yeah, babies. It is. It is. So I don't have you ever caught this in Colossians? This is right, one of my one favorite the, tie-ins. And that's one of the things and multiply. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I just you just can't get to on a on a Sunday, right? When you're doing a teaching. Like I just kind of skipped right over the fruitful and multiply, but you're absolutely right. Yeah. And We're that, not doing church for four hours, so right, we can't. It's like <laughs> I said I said something like, This is the gift of making babies. It's amazing that God gave us this. And then I just had to move on. But but like everything, it's like I'm biting my tongue looking at this which is why I said we should do a podcast on yep. this, just because there's so much. So what do you have in Colossians? Yeah, so look at this in Colossians. This is in chapter 1, and I, I like dot around a bit, but like verse 15 onwards, he's talking about Jesus. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. So Jesus is positioned now oh, as man. like God is re-imaging hmm. himself hmm. as a human who's also God. Hmm. It's like he's re-perfecting <laughs> the imageness and we've got this creation image, uh, but it's it's different because in him all things were created, everything, absolutely everything. Uh, it was created through him. It was created for him. He's before all things. In him, everything holds together, including the church, and he's the firstborn from the dead. So it's like, man, this new image bearer stands at the beginning of all the created purpose in the beginning and all the recreative purpose of redemption. And it sort of you know, culminates in, you know, the fullness of God dwelt in him to reconcile all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And it just goes on um, like uh, a couple of verses later that, that this gospel has to do with all creation. So like the purpose of like looking outside Eden and thinking all of this is up for grabs, light purpose like wholeness strategy creative power can be brought to all of this mm-hmm. and then it like it gets derailed and jesus is talked about as this figure yeah. who were like just redeems the story of the universe to where god's storyline in genesis 1 is not going to be lost to this tragedy and the cross is in the middle of it doing something about it but Here's the key words a bit earlier on because he's talking about the church. So this is us, right? Right. We're broken. We look out of Eden, over the fence at our neighbor, at serving at church, at giving, at praying, at mm-hmm. like all the things. And we're like, oh, ooh, you know, a yeah. little bit fearful, a little bit trepidation, a little bit uncomfortableness. Like, ah, yeah. my, this isn't normal for my brokenness. But the church is pushing into it in Colossae. And so Paul is, is like, man... I'm I'm really thankful for you guys and I haven't ceased praying that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you may walk worthy, fully pleasing. Um, and so it's this, uh, I, I got a, well, fully pleasing to him and then the result of being filled with the knowledge of his will, with the spirit and understanding and obedience, like that stuff together, will result in being fruitful and multiplying. Except in our English, it doesn't use those words, but it says bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. But that that's that's a straight hyperlink back to Genesis. It's be fruitful. It, it, what sort of fruit? Babies? No, bigger than that. Every good work. Yeah. All encompassing. Yeah. Multiply. Yeah. What kind of multiply? Increasing in the knowledge of God. 
Yeah. So it's like the church is, well, it's it's doing this in to an extent where Paul's thankful, but also it's it's mission. Yeah. And Paul is able to to know, like, if you understand the gospel, you understand this is who you are that you're still on a mission God gave humanity in Genesis 1. Yeah. But I'm able to put language that's like, you know, instead of looking out over the hedge of Eden to the chaos, you're now looking over the ramparts of, like, the castle kingdom. Yeah. Um, oh, that's you know, so Kingdom good. Castle, and you're seeing the, the chaos, the hurt, you know, things like that, and understanding that being fruitful and multiplying is an invitation to go with the Spirit and again, it's the spirit hovering right. over this passage. Right. You know, so yeah. I love the way the New Testament picks up this imagery. Yes. To yeah, if it, it, I feel like this is the challenge of reading Genesis. Like, if we can situate ourselves in Adam and Eve's shoes in the right way, like there's an because um, we love the stories, we love the visuals. Like, we can engage our heart, our mind, our emotions with like, who's God to me in this moment? Yeah. He's like fully behind me. Oh, absolutely. And inviting me forward. And I'm like inspired and excited. And all of that in the purity and simplicity of the imagery in Genesis, like it ought to carry over. And then when I look at my world and I'm like, what's my Monday morning? Right. What, what am I facing? And I feel different. I can start to play spot the difference and be like, why? Like, What's going on with me? Like, why? Why do I feel like that's a different story and start to talk to God about like, man, show me, show me why I'm telling the wrong narrative over my neighbor, my friend, my wife, my kids, my, you know, all yeah. of those things. Yeah. It's so powerful. Yeah, it is so powerful. And I think one of the things when you, you reminded me, Richard, as you were saying that when you read scripture, it's important to know the context for it. So like, like who, who is, have you ever thought about this? Who is Genesis 1? being written to who is the audience who read it for the first time well it was it was the israelites in the wilderness the post-exilic jews where where they they were the ones for the first time reading the story of genesis seeing the truth of who god is in their moment of desperation in their moment of of what are we supposed almost in their moment of leading leaving a garden and, and wandering yeah. in, in wandering well, they've in got not a the blank wilderness. canvas, right? But a messy, occupied canvas of enemies right. in front of them, right? Yeah, and and yet they're they're reading this, thinking about, oh, this is who God is, yeah. And and if you can get Genesis, if we can truly understand Genesis one, two, three, four, it will open up the rest of the scripture for us. I mean, even in this passage you're reading in Colossians, but what about how John John starts? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. It's not an accident that he starts his gospel within the beginning, the same way that Genesis was started. The readers of the time would have, of course, seen that. And John, um, and there's so many parallels between Jesus and Adam. Um, it, it's just like unbelievable to watch watch those patterns go go around and around yeah, and yeah, around. Yeah. It's just beautiful. It's beautiful. One of, one of the other, like... I mean, there's just things I can't help but comment on when I read this because we've got some cultural norms sometimes of like, yeah, Genesis, wasn't it something about like Adam was supposed to lead and like Eve was supposed to like raise the children, <laughs> right? So patriarchy becomes our story and we're like, yeah, I think that's it. Like who's supposed to raise the kids? 
both of them. Yeah. Who's supposed to go tame the chaos of the world? Both, both of them. them. Yeah. And actually, this is interesting because you get that in chapter one. Like, mm-hmm. that's clear, but mm-hmm. it gets emphasized in chapter two. Because I love this where, I mean, because this picks a little bit of the community part. Yeah. You know? and, and, and to be clear, both were created in the image yep. of God. Um, yeah. And that, well, and that's interesting to me because it's like uh, the grammar of this doesn't decide. So we have to right. like pull the whole of the rest of scripture together to help us answer like who's the image bearer? When God says your image, is he like, hey, Adam, you're an image bearer. Eve, you're another image bearer. Or is it you guys, <laughs> you bear the image? Yeah. When you partner together yes. and do the thing you're supposed to do, yes. I get imaged. Yes. And everything Paul has to say about the body of Christ in the church would indicate that it's the group reading. Like none of us are God's image bearer in isolation. Yeah, I mean, there's a sense in which we are we have that capacity, that potential, that value, like it elevates us. But to fulfill image bearing can't be done like as an island. No, no, no. No, to fulfill our calling is is in community. Like you're very rarely is there is God place a calling for complete isolation from it. It's yes, there's a personal calling to go, but at the same time, it's more times than not. And I and I just shy away a little bit from saying always and never of using those words. But in this case, I would almost say always is our calling yeah. to be in community with each other, moving yeah. forward, the kingdom of God. And so we kind of get like, in chapter two, we get comedy moment. Okay. Where God's like, okay, Adam, let's, uh, let's see who you can do this with. <laughs> like, all right, we'll start with the ants and we'll work up from there to the buffalo. Like, right, you know, like and you Adam's like, and it, it just, <laughs> I love the comedy value of this. Like God's making a point, but just, yeah, I, I, I can't imagine, like, Adam is probably getting more and more distraught. And yeah. God's, like, laughing behind his exactly. hand, like, this is going to be yeah. awesome in a minute. Adam, Adam doesn't know it's a joke. <laughs> he, he's getting probably rather annoyed. Like, yeah. shoot, what's going on? But then eventually he gets Eve. Yeah. And it's like this God, s- s- like, slices Adam into two. Yeah. So there's this multiplicate. So God yeah. does the multiplying. Right. But the interesting thing, then, is that the man says, this is bone by bones, flesh of my flesh. Mm-hmm. What's he saying? This is my likeness. Yeah. And I don't think he's meaning like, oh, yeah, I can get on with her. She hasn't got like a hairy nose. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I, I think it's something to do with like, oh, she's like me yeah. in a way that the animals are, aren't. Like, yeah. there's something about her, the, like the way she has been created, that in the same way, my likeness to God helps me understand who I am and what I'm called to. Yeah. Eve shares in that. Yeah. Yeah. She has the same thing. So because of the likeness to God, I can partner with her. And all of a sudden the word unity and what unity is in yeah. starts ringing loud and clear. Yeah. And whenever we get to this, I have to, and I know you probably have all heard this before, but I have to shout this out. There was not a helper suitable for him. And so God created Eve helper. When we, in English, that sounds like an assistant to the regional manager, you know, it's, <laughs> totally. like, it's to, but Adam it's, did not need a secretary. No, that's not <laughs> what helper is. That yeah. word helper, take a look at that in the original language and then just do a word search on it. The other times that it's used to describe is when it's used to describe God himself. Yeah. 
yeah. as a helper. Helper. The Holy Spirit is the helper. Yeah. So think like shoulder to shoulder helper. Think like, thank God that this woman is here to help me yeah. and not even help, but do, but to actually do, do be a, be an image bearer with me. Yeah. It's not, it's definitely not. And, and we just have ruined that in English over and over and over again. And with our culture and whatever to make the woman subservient. And it's just, I just don't see that. No, no. Yeah. And we will not derail the podcast by just talking about that now for a while because we will do some lectures yes, or a class yes, on that. I'm biting at my some tongue. Point. Right. How much yeah. more time do we have? What are we doing? Yeah. So the time is going to go off soon and then we, okay. we both get like a, a minute to wrap up. Okay. But, I, but I love the unity. Yeah. So you talked about this about Sunday. And yeah. it's like, it, it was where likeness and mission, it was where like who I am and what I'm made for and what, what my mission is. Yeah. Like, that was the thing where he looked at Eve and understood, like, we're the same, you and I. Yeah. And in this day and age, like, division is running down the center of, I mean, all the way down to people who yeah. are conflicted about who they are. Yeah. And, like, families, friendships, yeah. churches, there's political, Every, like, so much. Order is being attacked. Yeah. Even even the very order of gender is being attacked. Order, everything is being attacked right now. And so we need to find unity in that. And one of the things that coming out of the teaching that I realized might not have been super clear um, is that unity isn't a, at all costs, find peace and then just hold on to that. But, but Yeah, ignore the differences and move forward. Right. Otherwise... Adam could have been like first animal that comes along. Like, like good, we're good. Right, it's an ant. I said this will be a bit weird, but cool. Yeah, yeah let's, let's go. do it. Let's go. Yeah, not at all. In he fact, needed the likeness. He needed the but likeness. likeness was not like, hey, I actually prefer a, a burger, and mm-hmm. you like Chick Fil A. Right. So we're not alike. Right. Well, yeah, we're not alike. <laughs> right. But right. like, it, so that's the like the million dollar question then right. for unity is like, which things does our our unity like circle and camp right. around. Right. And that's where then like the way that the New Testament reflects this right. likeness. Right. Is like, well, the 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 likeness example, I mean, it was right there in Colossians we read, is right. Jesus. Right. It's Jesus. And as the Prince of Peace, the Prince of Shalom, which is kind of where I ended it on Sunday, it's not just to say, hey, let's forget everything that happened before today and let's just start working forward from today. But but Peace or shalom is to restore what is broken yep. and then some. So when you think, when you talk about the the differences, the divisions, when you talk about the injustices that have been done in our culture, in our history, in our world, and even in our own relationships, in our own lives, it's not a oh there it is there we go. I'll one, just finish this thought. One minute each. Here we yeah. go. So it's not it's not just a hey let's forget about those hurts that's happened and because Jesus is on the throne we're just going to start running this direction. It's actually no let's identify those. Let's bring shalom to that which is a which is bringing wholeness to it which is a restoration. It's a humility if that's what's required. It's a it's listening to somebody else's pers- point of view. It's asking for forgiveness. It's understanding that hurt that's pain and it's right it is working to right the wrong moving forward. Yeah. I mean that's what shalom is that's what it's all about and so when we talk about unity when i talked about unity that's the point of it is to work to make what was broken whole and then some and to keep running because what is that but the kingdom of god expanding 
in our world and in our place. And I, I just feel like that's what Genesis is getting at when God created and then invited us to continue to create. And then when sin came in the world, God said, yep, it's going to be harder, but don't worry, I'm going to be with you. He never did say, stop creating, just be done, just go. He's like, let's keep going. And so the whole point, my whole heart in the message was, was to say, God is on the throne, yes, And because he's on the throne and he's walking alongside of us, he gives us the strength, the ability to the power to understand brokenness and hurt, to work to heal it, to work to repair it, to work to make it right, and then to keep running forward as followers of Jesus to expand his kingdom. Yeah. Yeah, I want to like finish with this. It's a real similar thought of like, I, I feel like the disunity we're experiencing at the moment is maybe we're looking for unity we're looking to ground our sense of unity in some sort of things that are several circles out from the core thing. Yeah. You're like of what yeah. we were, what we were made for. So like I might disagree with Joe about mm-hmm. like how to vote on some policy thing mm-hmm. about some state law that might affect something in my area. But I, you know, do I, um, do I agree with him about like the the trajectory of like who we're supposed to be as the people of God? Right, right. Because right. even at the most basic level, um, it, if I've got this like out, I'm looking out of my Eden mm-hmm. and thinking God wants to do something. Yeah, that helps me have like mercy and grace and hope for, right. for like healing and redemption. Right. But I think there's so many people who are. Like they, they think they want to recreate Eden to hide in it. Yeah. And when you want to hide in it, you become more interested in like, what are the, what are the fences I want to point at that help yeah. me understand where the edge of Eden is? Yeah. And the more you play that game, the smaller you Eden gets. Yeah. And before so you know it, like, you you got no mission left. You got mm. no hope left. Like yeah. I, you, it, instead of thriving and flourishing and being fruitful and multiplying, the storyline becomes one of surviving. Yeah. But in the same way that God could point out of Eden at the chaos, the warfare, mm-hmm. and be like, "Let's go do it," and right. Adam and Eve never once were like, "Are you sure? Right. Will it be hard? Right. How do we do it?" Right. They 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 had been given the dominion, right. the authority. Right. The gates of hell will not stand yeah. against. Yeah. Christ in his church is the same storyline. Yeah. yeah. Like we got to believe we can move forward. It, it, we just got to work and understanding like what's actually central. Exactly. It's like that moment when you come downstairs and you're, and I know this has happened several times for me. My boys are arguing over something and both of them have good points. Both of them have maybe said something that's been unkind to the other person that they need to work with and figure out both. Have, both have said like, and, and maybe, and maybe there's times where one is completely wrong. And as I'm sitting there as a dad watching this, the only thing I can think about is that neither of them are cleaning out the car, which I asked them to do an hour ago. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, yes, yes, there's things you're going to need to figure out about what you guys just did and the interaction and the hurt maybe that you caused each other. But neither of you, but both of you are forgetting the original call to to expand my kingdom on this earth. You yeah. know, I, that's, the, that's just the quick yeah. analogy there. Yeah. And I feel like that's like what you said, Richard, we're, we're looking at, we're pointing at things that are actually beyond the original call of humanity to expand his kingdom east of Eden. Yeah. And, and we, that's, that's the call to step back from those things. Yes, make right what you've made wrong or what people before you've made wrong work to do that. 
but go back to what was our what were we called to do? What what would yeah. our father tell us to and do? And the at better the we understand that, the more yeah. we're going to be able to, <clears throat> the more we're going to be able to look at someone who might be really different from us right. and say, right. "You're bone of my bones." Yes, yes, we're both like, here to clean out the car. And, and Let's go. That gives us the power to partner. Yes, yeah. partner is not just about having a cookie cutter of yourself who's going to copy you. Right. Partnership is partly involves figuring stuff out. Which Absolutely. Is going to involve having yeah. differences. So good. But yeah, without without the likeness. So good. Love this, Richard. Failure. All right. Thanks, thanks so much for having me, man. So this was go, so much fun. Go, everyone, read Genesis. Yes. And be inspired. Yep. Bible Project video on Genesis is fantastic, it, it, too. Take a look at that. It's just really, really helpful. And if you're like me, I have to watch it several times and yeah, take notes. The visual helps. <laughs> All right. God bless. Thanks for listening to this episode of the House of Learning podcast. This podcast is produced by A Jesus Church College, based at Westside A Jesus Church in Portland, Oregon. AJC College trains and mobilizes the next generation of kingdom leaders through an accredited four-year degree in biblical studies with an emphasis on leadership and formation. We combine classroom learning with mentoring and ministry apprenticeship for a third of the cost of traditional college. To find out more, go to ajccollege.org or follow us on Instagram to find out if this is where God could be calling you to explore your calling. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review, subscribe, and share it with someone. And if you have a question you'd like us to chat about, please let us know. You can email us at podcast at ajccollege.org. If you can, send us a 20-second audio recording saying who you are and where you're from along with your question, and we'd love to include it in a future episode.